scripture, let me ask you to do that, to pray with me. Uh, Father in heaven, uh, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So I pray that you would help us to see uh, in the light that Jesus is. To help us to see all that there is and to see it all through him. Who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn please to John in chapter 8. John chapter 8, please. I want to read just verses 12 through 30. This whole section from this point through a bit of chapter 9 even uh, develops our theme. I won't be able to get to all all of that. But uh, this will give us enough, I think, to see it. So John in chapter 8, verse 12, please. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered them, you know neither me nor my father, if you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said to him, will he kill himself since he says where I am going, you cannot come. And he said to them, you're from below and I'm from above. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say uh, about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I've heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I'm he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And he was saying these things, as he was saying these things. Many believed him. And then together, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I want, if God will help me, to take up this verse 12 primarily, where Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, as I mentioned, I'm taking up this passage as I've took up the last one. We'll take up the next few. 
Now, because they're in the context of what we have and call the I am sayings of Jesus, uh, John's gospel has them laid out. His, his gospel is really organized around these signs, these miracles, seven of them. But in the midst of those, at least highlighting a couple of them, are these, these I am statements. And we know that when Jesus um, co-ops this expression, I am, what he is saying about himself is that, that he's God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and 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 so we're taking them up and, and we're doing that because uh, it's a time for us right now just to focus on the fact that Christianity is Christ if we take him out of our faith we have nothing really worse than that uh, we have that which is almost uh, too difficult to even think about and to bear that is condemnation and hell so uh, we realize that uh, we we must speak of Jesus for he is the object of our faith. He is the faith that we profess, this one, um, Jesus. So it's important for us to come to grips with it. It's important for our children. It's important for all of us. It's important for our families. It's important for our friends. It's important for the whole world to know and to come to grips really with who Jesus is. So again, this expression where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Two questions. These were two questions throughout all of these sayings. Uh, two questions. What did it mean when Jesus said this? And secondly, how could he say it? On what basis could he make uh, make this claim? Well, again, he's making the claim that he's, he's God. That's this sense of I am. We go back to Exodus 3 when Moses was called by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt in the Exodus, he asked God, first, who am I? But then he asked God, if they ask me your name, what should I tell them? In other words, what's your name? Who are you? And God said, I am. Yes, he is. No one made him. He simply is. He's always been. And always will be. He does that which pleases him. He needs no one and nothing. Uh, he is God. He says, tell them I am has sent you. And so Jesus now says something about this I am. He says, I am. And, and I am the light of the world that, that informs us. He has said previously, I'm the bread of life. You see, this, this whole exodus, this whole leaving uh, uh, Egypt and going into the land of promise uh, is, is, is systemic really as a, as an idea, as an event in the lives of the Israelites. Much of their life simply revolved around. You read the Old Testament, you find references after reference after reference, especially as you read through the Psalms, uh, of, of, of this, of this time period, this deliverance from slavery, uh, in Egypt. And many of their festivals would allude to that. I mean, the Passover for sure, right? And even Pentecost was, was given the, the meaning of, 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 of looking at the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And there was another feast that was probably the happiest of all the feasts. It was the most celebrated, at least, the most singing and dancing, the longest. And that is what we call the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and this, is what, this is the context in which Jesus makes this particular this particular saying, you can see in verse 12, he says again, which hearkens us all the way back, really, to um, chapter 7, uh, when he's uh, 
in the midst of with them celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. By the time he makes this thing about the, being the light of the world, Tabernacles is over. But, but, but he's, he's still in the temple area. We know that he makes these sayings. Verse 20 says that these words he spoke in the treasury. Now, the treasury in the temple was in a particular court of the temple. The court had various, the temple had various sort of areas. And some people were allowed in certain areas and not in other areas. But the, where the treasury was, was in what was called the court of the women. And the courts of the women wasn't just for women, it was for men and women. Everybody could gather in the courts of the women. And there were about 13 different, um, or more, different little um, treasure chests. They were actually, interestingly, shaped in the face, in, in the form of trumpets. Might hearken you back to another teaching of Jesus about giving, but and and in each one had had a little sign on it. If you give in this one, it's for this. It's kind of like we have two boxes back there: ones for the general fund and ones for the for the for the building fund. Well, they had a, a number of them. With this is for the widows, and this is for that, and this is for the Levites, and this is for this. So you can give in these various ways. Point is that in the treasury area in the court of the women, there were, it was a gathering place for the largest crowd of people that would come to the temple. And so there Jesus was. And, and they had celebrated in, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. We see that in, in, chapter, in chapter 7. Now, during the Feast of Tabernacles, what was celebrated was the time in the wilderness. Remember, the uh, Israelites left Egypt, went through the Red Sea, got to Mount Sinai, and then went to Kadesh Barnea, and it was there they scouted out the land, and it was there that all oh, but Caleb and Joshua said, oh, the, we can't go there. So God said, well, then we're going to have to wait a generation. And so they, they spent a generation, 40 years, in the wilderness. And God took care of them in the midst of that time. He gave them manna uh, from heaven. And so Jesus would use that prior to even the celebration of tabernacles at that time. And he said, I'm the bread of life. And by that we remember, he's saying, I'm God. And I'm God in the flesh. And what this means is you can't have life without me. That you need me for life. There's no other life apart from me. I'm bread. It's not that I have bread that I give you. I am it. So you must come to me. That is, you must believe in me. If you don't, you will not have life. But in me, if you come to me, if you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. Now, during this Feast of Tabernacles, you see, there were two really great parts of the ceremony uh, that, that are often highlighted. Uh, in, in fact, if you read about the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, most will say that uh, if, things like this, that if you're ever to know rejoicing, you really have to experience the Feast of Tabernacles. It was the time of the most singing and the most dancing and the most celebrating by everyone from the children to the oldest. And so there are a couple of things that, that really highlighted uh, this time. One was gathering of water. Every morning the priests would go down to the pool of Siloam and they would have these big, big tubs. And they would get water from the pool. And as they would go down, all the people and the children would go with them. And, and they'd be singing. And, and most especially after they got the water in these big basins to take and to pour on the altar uh, to cleanse it and so forth. Uh, there would be great singing. And uh, partially from Isaiah chapter, chapter 12, this little expression. With joy we shall draw water from the wells of salvation. And they would sing and they would dance in the early morning and, and all this would, would take place. Well, it was then, you see, 
that, that Jesus it was in an I am statement. But he makes this statement. Uh, he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's in chapter 7, verse 37. And so Jesus used that. He said, I'm the fulfillment of this, this great, joyous water celebration. That if you come to me, if you believe in me, uh, out of you will flow springs of living water. Because you see, this ceremony of the water, that simply pointed back to the fact that God had, had given water to the Israelites during their time in the wilderness, even from a rock. But pointed forward to the Messiah who was to come. And he said, ah, I'm that Messiah. But now we have a, a, a fulfillment really of the second part of that. Because every night, the first night for sure, but... Most think every night of this week-long celebration, uh, after it would get dark, they would light four big, huge lamps in the temple court there. And then the men would take torches and light from that, and they would begin to sing and to dance And it was said that all Jerusalem was lighted up at that time. It was dark, but there was this great light, you see. And so um, at the end of it, of course, then it was over. There was no big lights every night. So after it was over, Jesus stood in the very place where those lights had been. And he said this, I am the light of the world, you see. You see, that festival of, 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 of lighting all those wonderful lights, you see. So that the whole city could be lighted, well, finds its fulfillment in me. I am the light of the world. If you're going to see anything at all, it can only be uh, through me. No, no, this light during the, the Feast of, of, of Tabernacles was, was uh, commemorated. The pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. You remember that? You remember that as they left Egypt, God said to them, I'll I'll protect you and be present with you. And I'll guide you by way of this cloud, this pillar of cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night. And so the the Feast of Tabernacles would commemorate in the lighting, this great light, how God would be present with them. See, the scripture says he spoke to them out of the cloud and out of the fire. So it was a sign that God was present with them. And he protected them, the cloud during the day to, to, to keep them safe from the heat of the desert and the fire at night to keep them warm from the, the low temperatures and the cold at night. And, and, and so he would protect them that way from the elements, but also protect them from the enemy because he would take this cloud and put it between the enemies and them so the enemies couldn't see them. And so they would could they be able to make their way. And so he was present with them and he protected them with this and he also guided them. And so Jesus, in essence, saying, I'm the light of the world, I'm God with you. He's saying, I'll protect you and I'll guide you. By my light, you'll see everything that you need to see in the course of your life to be guided into the paths of righteousness, into the paths of peace, and the paths of the ways of God, you see. This is, he's saying, I'm with you. I'll protect you from all the enemies that come to you that could destroy your soul, and I will guide you. 
And that's when he says, I am the light of the world. He's saying, oh, that light is a metaphor often in the scripture uh, for God. Uh, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid, you see? Uh, light. Uh, the Lord is my light, therefore he'll guide me. And when I pray, often this prayer of illumination that we pray before we read the scripture. Um, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I, I read earlier this morning during our time of confession from First John and chapter 1, um, verse 5. This is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and there is no darkness at all. In fact, this metaphor for light uh, was attached not only to God, but also to the Messiah, for instance, in Isaiah in chapter 9, uh, in verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. Now, who is this light? Well, we know from Christmas. I read this every Christmas, at least once. Um, I use it, what I'm about to read is our final benediction on Christmas Eve. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Jesus is saying... That's who I am. That's who I am. And then in John 1, it brings it sort of all together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And it was life, and the life was the light of men. See, life and light are related often in Scripture. Why? Because things need light to grow. There's no life in utter darkness, you see. Everything dies in darkness. If that's all there is. We need light for life. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. You see the tension between light and darkness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. That all might believe through him. It is when the real light comes. And we'll see what it is that we're to believe. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet, the world didn't know him, because the world was in darkness. He came to his own, and his own people didn't receive him. We see that in the passage I read from John 8. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And then he says this, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the father's side. He has made him known. This is who Jesus is claiming to be. He isn't just simply saying, I, I know where there's light. He isn't saying, I have some light I can shed on this. But he says, I'm light. I'm the light of the world. You can't see 
apart from me. Unless you believe in me, you'll never ever really see. That's what he's saying. So what did he mean by that? Well, he meant that God, he was with them in Jesus. I'm with you. God is with you. He meant this too. He meant that the world has no light other than him. There is no light in the world, for the world, other than Jesus. There's no alternative. Um, Satan is a false light. The scripture says of him that he masquerades as an angel of light. He says, listen, I can provide all the light that you need. If you see everything through me, then you'll really see. And what does he tell us? He said, it's all about you. You can do it. It's all about you doing it. It's all about you succeeding. It's all about you, you see. Now we know that when that pride and selfishness happens in our lives, then there's conflict everywhere. (laughs) And Satan goes, ah, yes. He's a false light. Every religion in the world that doesn't say that Jesus is the light and the only light is a false light. It isn't light at all. If this is true, if Jesus really is the light of the world, then that's why we cling to him and to him only. We say there's only salvation through faith in Jesus. It's not because we're smarter than everybody else or better than everybody else. We just simply say, if he really is the light, then we must come to him to have it. Apart from him, there is only darkness. If he really is who he claims to be, he's the only light and he's the light of the world. Now, this is fascinating to say in a context, a Jewish context, Because for them, they would think he would be the light of Israel. He says, no, 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 no. It's bigger than that. I'm the light of the whole. If there's to be light anywhere in the world, I'm it. And I'm it for not just the Israelites, but for the whole world. I'm the light not just for the people who are born in the U.S. I'm the light for the whole world. I'm not the light just for the people who are born in Europe. I'm the light for the whole world. I'm not just the light for the old. I'm also the light for the young. I'm not just the light for the intellectual. I'm the light for those who are the uneducated. I'm not just the light for the rich. I'm the light for the poor. I'm not the light uh, for one nationality, but for all. Not for one race, but for all. Not for one ethnicity, but for all, you see. I'm the light. If the world doesn't have light, the only way they're going to have it is through in, Jesus would say, in me. So the world has no other light than Jesus. And the world needs this light. He says, if, if, you're, if you don't have this light, you're in darkness. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he says, we're in darkness. It doesn't take a great imagination or biblical knowledge to know what he's talking about there. You can't see anything. Everything's contrary to God, you see. You'll be lost. It'll be death. In me there is life, and you will be found. And, and this light of Jesus was made for this world. He's not a foreign light. 
This is exactly the light that we need. This is exactly the light that has been made for us, you see. And then we also realize that one day, the whole world really, really will be filled with this light that every bit of darkness and the sons of darkness will be completely cast out because the day will come when there'll be the new heavens and the new earth. And notice what the scripture says about that. Verse 22 of Revelation chapter 21. And he says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day. There'll be no uh, night there. They'll bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so he says, there you go. Uh, Everyone needs this light. This light was made for this earth. There is no other light apart from Jesus. You can't see anything, really, without him. He's the light, you see. And what this means, too, for us, is that everything looks different in Jesus. Everything looks different in light of him. Even death. I was speaking on Wednesday evening about about funerals and about death, therefore. And I made this comment and I said, when you go as a believer to uh, a graveside, and you have what we call a committal service. And there you are, and you've probably been in such situations. It's the casket about to be lowered. There's a sense in which Christians see that moment very differently than anybody else. And there's a sense in which we come to that moment with a sense of defiance. And by that I mean this. That we're there to commit this body to this ground. If the person was a believer, we know that person's soul is already in the presence of the Lord. But the body is going to go in this ground. And what we say in the midst of that committal service is that we've committed this person's soul to you, God, and we commit his or her body to the ground in the sure and, and in the assurance of the resurrection of the dead. And what we mean by that is, okay, we'll we'll let the earth keep this body for a while. (laughs) But we know this earth is not going to keep this body forever. We know that a day will come when this body will be raised in newness of life. When Jesus comes and this person will be full and, and, and living always in the presence of the Lord on the new heavens and the new earth. And so there's a sense in which we can see this moment differently. How? Because we see it through Jesus. We go, we get it. Oh yes, this is sad for the moment. And that moment may be for quite some time. And we'll always know that sadness. But there's something else in us as we look at that grave because we're looking at that grave in the light of Jesus. And we say, ha, ground you can't keep this body forever. You're going to give it up. And we know that. And why do we know that? Only because we see it. Why do we see it? Only because we know Jesus. 
Here's the light who enables us to see. And even in the midst of personal difficulties in the context of our life, we see them through the light of Jesus and who he is. That he is the one who's come and given himself for us. And he's the one who presently intercedes for us. And he's the one who rules and reigns over things for the glory of God and for our good. Romans 8.28 is not simply a Christian cliche. It's the truth. God does work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Those who love him, who believe in him, who trust in him. Uh, those who are called according to his purpose. His purpose to conform us to the image of Jesus. And so we know always, we know always that whatever is going on, that God is sovereign over whatever is going on. And we also then know too that he's at work in us for our good, whether we can see it at the moment or not. And so, Everybody else looks at this situation, whether it's uh, a grief that we may be suffering, whether it's a loss we may be suffering, maybe employment difficulties that we may be having, marital problems that we may be having, uh, difficulties in relationships with friends and others, might be loneliness that we're experiencing, might be all kinds of things. But even then, everybody else looks at that and says, oh, too bad. And we do too, too bad, I'm sorry. But but yet we don't stop there. Why? Because we see it. And how do we see it? We see it through through this light that we have of Jesus. And we know that he is God. I am. And he is with us. And that he's protecting us. And that he's guiding us. And that he's keeping us. And so, so, so we know by faith, because this light we see and have that All things really will work together. Thus, the psalmist could write, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Thus, the psalmist can say, Be still, you know, be still. And know that God is God. You can know that. Now the good news of that for the believer, the one who has the light, has Jesus, sees all things through him, you can say this one who is God is wise and he's good and he's powerful and he loves me. And I know that he loves me. Why do I know that he loves me? Because I see it. Christ has died for me. I know that he loves me because the scripture says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave himself as an atoning sacrifice, as propitiation for our sins. And we know that, you see. And so when difficulties come, oh yes, I don't need to fear because God is with me. I don't need to fear Because God is powerful, all-powerful, nothing can thwart him. I don't need to fear, because God is wise, and he knows the very best of everything. And I don't need to fear, because God is good, and he'll do that which is best. Okay. You see, it's very different to live 
knowing that Jesus is the light. And so he says, I'm the light. If anyone follows me, uh, you'll never, you will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. This darkness, of course, we realize is, is that which is contrary to God. We, we read it in, in, in John chapter 1, that verse 5, uh, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not uh, overcome it. We see the tension. Darkness is trying to, to overcome it. And, and darkness, sadly, since Adam and Eve sinned, is the natural state of human beings. It wasn't always like that. Uh, prior to Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis 1 and 2, there was light and every and everything was good and very good, even God said. But, but, but then sin entered the world and as soon as it did, there's this darkness. You can no longer see God. You can only see yourself and to realize that, oh, I must be the measure of all things. Everything must depend upon me. And, and so what we find very early on is one brother killing another brother. In fact, it seems in the scripture the first real popular song was by a man named Lamech who had the poem, I killed a man who wounded me. And so we see darkness, darkness. And we see it in the context of the world in which we live, don't we? We see it in the context of the history of the world, which we know. It's fascinating to me that when a terrorist attack happens, whether it's foreign or domestic, when these mass shootings take place, we spend a great deal of time and energy trying to find out why. Why did this person do this? And, and I think, if I can armchair psychologize for a moment, the part of that is that we want to distance ourselves from that person. We want to say, we're not like that. He's unique. He's different. This is why he did it. There's, here's what's wrong with him. Here's, and none of that is really wrong with me. Because there's something deep within us that looks at these people and says, wait a minute, they're human and I'm human. We share that whether I like it or not. And whether I might ever do anything like that or not, I trust most of us won't or even desire to. But, but still there's this sense of, of connection, this sense of identity because of sin. We know that. Fascinating story years ago. There was a man named uh, Yehiel Danur uh, who was a Holocaust survivor. You can Google this. This is actually true. Uh, actually, you can find it in books, which makes it more true uh, of credible people. But um, um, books are those things that have binding on them, just in case you're wondering. Uh, Younger folk. But uh, he was a Holocaust survivor and he was called to testify in the trial of Adolf Eichmann, who was a Holocaust mastermind. And during this trial, Dinur walks in, comes in, stares at Eichmann. And after a while, saying nothing, after a while begins to sob. Dinur, not Eichmann. And everyone thinks he's sobbing because he's seeing the evil in Eichmann's face. Or he's remembering all the atrocities that took place while he was in his concentration camp at Auschwitz. He stops sobbing, testifies. After a while, he's interviewed on 60 Minutes. And the interviewer asks him, why did you sob? 
Was it because you saw evil? Was it because of the horrifying memories and all of that? He said, no, 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 no. It wasn't that. It's that when I looked at Eichmann, I saw a man just like me. There's something about that in there. Something unnerving about that. This darkness, this sin. And it's that sin that keeps us from seeing. It's that sin that keeps us from understanding. It's that sin that keeps us in darkness. And so when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, what he means is I'm going to deal with the darkness. Next time you walk into a room that's dark and you flip on the light switch, what happens to the darkness? (laughs) It goes away. (laughs) Light expels it. I, I don't know where the darkness goes, actually. Uh, but, um, but it's gone, you see. There's no more darkness at that point in time. It's just light because the light has shined. Jesus said, that's who I am. I come and I shine. Uh, what do I do? Well, I come and I deal with this sin. And I break its power. And its power is the guilt of it. So I take the guilt of it upon myself. And I die. You see, that's how he does it. He comes and dies. And and when he dies, it's not like anybody else dying because he's the son of God. He's this one who is the word become flesh and dwelling among us. He's God, man. He stands for all of us. He's worth all of us. You see, and, and there he is. And so he takes in his death our guilt and he exhausts it, the wrath of God. He pays it, if you will. And then he rises because he had no sin in himself. He rises in triumph over it. And he says, now come to me. Follow me. I don't have time, but these, the, the, the passage that I read from, from verse 13 on through verse 30, it's an illustration of this when you get a chance to read through it again. Because basically these religious leaders are coming to Jesus and they're saying, we don't know who you are. And he says, I know. And in essence, he's saying, I know because you're blind. You're in darkness. You can't see. But here's when you'll see. When I'm lifted up. And we know on the day that Jesus was lifted up, there was darkness over all the land. <laughs> but then there was the Sunday he rose and there was light. Oh, yes. There was light. So how do we come into this light? Well, we follow him. What does that mean? Well, it means that we believe in him. In John chapter 12, verse 46, um, Jesus says this. Jesus says this. He says, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And so we believe in him. That's what it means to follow him. It means to believe in him. So what does it mean to believe in him? What does it mean to follow him? Turn to Luke in chapter 9, verse 23, very quickly. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, to follow him, he's giving sort of a way of understanding following him. He says, well, if you come after me, the first thing you must do is deny yourself. He doesn't say deny things to yourself particularly. He says deny yourself to yourself. When Peter said... When Peter was said to have denied Jesus, what did he do? He looked at Jesus and he said, I don't know him. 
So to deny yourself is to look at yourself apart from Christ and say, I don't know that person. I don't know that person. I'm not that person anymore. I, I'm in Christ. To follow him means that you say no to trusting yourself and to say yes to following, trusting him. You deny yourself. I don't know that person. Why? Because that person isn't in Christ. I only know the person who is in Christ. So I deny that person and I say yes to this person, if you will. Say yes to Christ. And then he says it a different way. He says you need to take up your cross daily. Now when Jesus uses that expression cross, what he's referring to uh, uh, is death. He says another way to think about denying yourself, saying no to that self, I don't know that self, is to say that self is dead. That self died when Christ died. And now the self I know is the one who's risen. That's why, how did Paul put it in Galatians in chapter 2 and verse 20? I'd quote it to you, but I just now thought of it, so I might get it wrong, so I'll, I'll read it. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live, by, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. No, because he trusts Christ. He says, so I've been crucified. He's dead. I no longer live. And so Jesus says you have to do this daily. What's that mean? It means you think about it all the time. You realize it all the time. You understand that's who I am all the time. And so he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Forever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will, sa- will save it. So turn away from that self and come to me. And then the chilling words, for what does it profit a man, a person, to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Oh, yes. Just someone in darkness would think that makes sense. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you really see, if you really see, And you can't see apart from me, he says. Because I am the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, I pray for all of us on this morning that uh, we would know Jesus, the light of the world. So please, I pray, enable us um, to see him. Be with us, I pray. Many on this day are, 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 are need to see rightly. Um, many grieve on this moment. Uh, think of uh, Amber Stewart and the loss of her dad. So we pray for her that she would see death in light of Jesus. And Jim Han, who lost his mom, that you enable him to see death in the light of of Jesus. Father, we pray for Mary Harvey who is recovering from back surgery and and we know, we understand the painful recovery that that is. So we pray that she would understand to see this time of pain in the light of Jesus that she is not alone, that you are with her, that she belongs to you. Father Dan and Sarah Pudcamp, as they're in Costa Rica and see what um, these rains are doing to 
all the people around them. We thank you that they're safe, but we pray <clears throat> for those who aren't and for those who minister to those who are having difficulty. And so we pray again that Dan and Sarah and all the others could see all of this in the light that is Jesus and, and know that they have hope, that you haven't abandoned them, but you are still with them and will help them. And Father, for those in our country and throughout the world who are dealing with um, the weather that keeps coming at us, and so we pray that we'd see that in the light in Jesus and know that you're sovereign over all things and that you're at work even in these very difficult circumstances. And we can trust you. And Father, the evil that we see in, the, in our world in shootings and uh, terrorism and trafficking the danger from leaders who threaten. Father, we pray that we would see all of this, the light that is Jesus, and not fear, not be in despair, but know that you will triumph. And even the blessings that we have, Father, I'm thinking even today of the blessing of the babies that we've had born, the greens, uh, Stephen Grace and the, Stephen Grace and the birth of their little boy and the grandchildren to Mark and Nori Lang and to Jimmer and Sally Miller. And Father, we're grateful and enable us to see all of our blessings in Jesus, that they come from him, that we can be utterly and completely grateful. So thank you. Be with us, God, as a church. Help us to trust in our Lord Jesus and to reflect him in all of our ways. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.